Hey folks, it's Tony here. Uh, thanks again for listening to Enhancement Talent this week. Uh, usually before every episode, we do like a funny little ad, uh, fake ad that we do before each episode, but uh, we're going to forego that this week and give you a little bit of a disclaimer. Uh, we had a little bit of uh, technical issues while recording uh, the episode this week. Um, it mainly hits towards the end of the episode, about the last 10 minutes. There was a little bit of glitch, and um, it caused uh, our co-host Adam's uh, audio to go out of sync a little bit, only by a couple of seconds. It's noticeable, but not noticeable enough to where it kind of ruins the entire episode. So we're still going through with it. We're still going to post it. I just thought I would add this uh, this disclaimer here at the beginning of the episode just to let you guys know that if uh, you know the audio seems a bit off towards the end of the episode, it's due to a technical issue that we had while recording. It's not anything to do with your players or anything, but it's still a great episode and I hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks again for listening and uh, yeah, on with the show. Sometimes you just need someone to have your back, someone to talk up your abilities, hide your weaknesses, treat you like you're the greatest thing to ever walk the earth, and also distract a referee and toss you some brass knucks from time to time. These are the duties of the professional wrestling manager. Join us this week on the Enhancement Talent Podcast as we give you our picks for the top 10 managers slash valets of all time. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Enhancement Talent Podcast. I'm your host, the man in the rafters, the one they call Tony Lopez. With us tonight, as always, one half of the fabulous Lopez cousins, Dr. Bob Lopez. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing great, sir. How about yourself? Doing good. Go Bears. 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 Playoffs. And with us also... In beautiful Island Lake, Illinois, we have the Warsaw Blonde himself, Adam Kulavik. How you doing, Adam? Rams. Rams. Bears. <laughs> Rams. Playoffs. Yes. Cardinals suck. Yeah. <laughs> it goes across two, two sports. <laughs> yeah. Boy. Uh, all right. So this is the first episode of the season. Our first episode of the year, 2021, and we decided to do uh, something different here with the show. Uh, usually, me, Adam, and Bob, we compile our own lists and we go through our picks individually. Uh, but we decided to kind of streamline things. What we would do is we would compile all of our lists and using like a point system based on where we place people, we would compile one master list, and that would be our top. 10 enhancement talent list for that week. So um, that's what we're going to be doing uh, this week. And if it goes smoothly, that's how we're going to be doing things going forward. So we decided to do that this week uh, with our topic, which is going to be top 10 managers and valets of all time. Um, when it comes to a good manager, um, I, I automatically think of a guy who guy or a woman who can 
take a wrestler's shortcomings, especially when it comes to talking on a microphone or cutting a promo and enhancing that wrestler in a way that that wrestler can't do for himself. You know, I think that's what a good manager or a valet is able to do. Uh, Bob, are there any other things you could think of that a good, that a good manager or valet can do for a wrestler that they may not be able to do quite so much on their own? I agree 100% with that. But I think another thing too is um, sometimes you want to have like a, a real uh, bad manager, a heel manager, uh, rile up the crowd and stir up the crowd and get them crazy and then transfer that heat that he draws over to his wrestler to get the crowd to piss off the to piss off the crowd and go after his wrestler even more and make him even more of a bad guy and rile him up. I think that's a great characteristic as well. Yeah, that's a good point. How about you, Adam? Is there anything uh, you could think of that a good manager of L.A. brings to the party? Well, uh, in doing my research for this, uh, I won't name the, the manager to a we probably get to this person, but um, one of the manager in particular on my list uh, was suggested to be a manager because uh, he was a mediocre wrestler, is the mid Carter. But uh, but it was suggested that person be a manager because they had the gift of gab. So this is as we just talked about. Uh, it's a mouthpiece that can get someone who may not be so good on the mic over. Like Bob said, get the crowd uh, involved, get that extra bit of heat that maybe they can't generate because they don't cut the promos uh, very well, or maybe they kind of have a slower style in the ring. I think it adds that extra bit of drama and the X factor also. Like uh, just for for an example, this Paul Heyman is always an X factor uh, managing Brock Lesnar because you never know how he's going to get himself interjected or involved during the match so that that adds an extra dimension to uh, to the face when he's when he's fighting Brock Lesnar or, or somebody like that. You just see there's that unpredictability factor on the outside that it's not just one on one. So uh, it's just a little bit of X factor. It creates extra drama and extra intrigue in the match. That's kind of a manager's role, I think, aside from being a mouthpiece. Nice. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree with both of you. Those are all good points. All right, so without further ado, let's unveil our enhancement talent top 10 um, managers and valets list. Uh, just like every week, we have a top 10 list. We'll go with, uh, you know, entry by entry. And then towards the right before we get to our top pick, we'll also give our, uh, our master list uh, five honorable mentions, you know, picks that didn't quite make the top 10. So, yeah, without further ado, here is our number 10 pick. Our number 10 pick with four points. It was only on one of our lists, but it was high enough on Bob's list that it made the number 10 position. It is Bob's number seventh pick with four points. We're talking about the manager of the four horsemen, Mr. J.J. Dillon. He comes in at number 10. Now, Bob, since he's the only manager, he was since he only showed up on your list. He wasn't on either me or Adam's list. We'll start with you. What, in your opinion, makes JJ Dillon such a great manager? Why no love for JJ Dillon, people? I don't know. <laughs> like he JJ just he just missed my honorable mentions list. Uh, I think the only uh, he was on my list, and the only reason he didn't make the cut is because uh, obviously he's known for managing the four horsemen. 
Uh, it, but it was for, you know, I think it was about a five-year period, four or five-year period, and, and not throughout the entire run because he spent a lot of the latter run of the horseman uh, as a WWF front office man. So it was, it was in terms of longevity, at least on my side. Yeah, him going suit. Yeah, that, that cost him some points. Definitely. I, the, I, the way I saw it is when we did our stables uh, podcast, the Four Horsemen was the best stable ever created. And J.J. Sure. Dillon was the manager for the greatest faction ever created. And even though Adam said maybe the longevity factor of it, when the Four Horsemen were created, you had Ole and Arn, Flair, Blanchard, and J.J. as, as the, um, the, the manager of them. But during those times, you also, when, when Ole got left and Blanchard left, you replaced them with Luger and Wyndham. And at that time, he was the guy in charge when Flair was the heavyweight champ, when Wyndham was the um, U.S. champ, when, when Arn and Blanchard were the tag team champs. You know, he, there, he was the manager at that time, and he was the one that was, you know, one of the headpieces for them. Uh, if you ever hear Ric Flair talk about J.J. Dillon, he – the four horsemen were the four horsemen, but he said that JJ Dillon was just a vital part of the four horsemen as every member of that group. I mean, he, he would draw up interference for the horsemen. He would take a beating whenever they would run away and he'd make, you know, the four horsemen look unbeatable. So that, that's why I put him on there. I thought he was a great addition to it. And yeah, they were the best faction ever in our opinions. And he was one of the main pieces. He wasn't that talker for them because each horseman can talk their ass off. Right. But he, he was out there, and I felt like he, he was a main part of it. So that's why I put him on there. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. And I, I, I really I don't, I don't uh, fault you for putting him in your top ten because he is a good pick. And he did cross my mind when I was making this list. It's just, I don't know, with the horsemen, it just seemed like there were so many bigger personalities in the four horsemen already that a lot of the times I think, I didn't think they really needed JJ all that much, but for the role he had, you know, in being like the fifth horseman, he was great. So yeah, like I said, I, I can't fault you for putting him on there. He, like I said, I, he, he, like Adam said, he just missed making his honorable mentions and he did cross my mind it, when I was making the list, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a solid pick. So. I still love you, JJ. When he listens to this, he'll be proud of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So let's move to our, our number nine here. With five and a half points, the number nine pick we have is the uh, the the scourge of pencil neck geeks everywhere. <laughs> it's classy Freddie Blassie. He is number nine on our list. Uh he was uh, number eight on Bob's list. He was number nine on my list. And he was one of Adam's honorable mentions. So that gives him a total of five and a half points to make number nine on our master list. Um, yeah. Uh, Adam, what do you have to say about Classy Freddie Blassie? Uh, he just missed my list only because uh, he did manage some champions. Obviously, the biggest being the Iron Sheik. Uh, he managed him uh, as the transitional champion between Bob Backlund and Hulk Hogan. And uh, Nikolai Volkov and the Sheik were also tag champions. He didn't quite uh, 
win as much gold as a manager. But if you look at the the list of guys he wrestled uh, uh, managed over his long career, uh, guys who are just premier heels during their era, Nikolai Volkov from the Sheik, like I said, Iron Sheik, Jesse Body Ventura, Peter Maivia, George the Animal Steel, um, Mr. Fuji, and lest we forget, uh, during his first go-around the WWF, uh, he managed Hulk Hogan as a heel in the early 80s. So that's right. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, first choice, you know, first ballot WWE Hall of Famer, of course, worked for the company a long time. But, uh, you know, during his day, he was just the premier heel manager. Uh, so obviously he should be, uh, he should be on the list. Absolutely. I, I just had uh, a few more people won a few more belts as a manager and, and made more of a, uh, we're a little more groundbreaking, but uh, he just narrowly missed my list. But yeah, definitely a good pick on the, to be in the top ten. Nice, yeah, Bob. He was number eight on your list. What do you got to say about Classy Freddie Blassie? He, he was uh, when I talked about managers earlier. He was that person that I felt could take. He could rile up a crowd like no other people could, and um, like he epitomized what a heel manager should be. I thought like he was just perfect at it. And he would take that crowd, he would rile them up, and then transfer that over to the Iron Sheik, to Nikolai Volkov. And, like, you know, you, you would want to hate these people just because Freddie Blassie, even though he was as American as can be, he would just, you know, he'd be with these foreign wrestlers and just, you know, make you want to hate them. So I thought he was just fantastic at it. And, you know, the way he would talk, like you said, the pencil neck geeks, and he had his cane for a while that he beat mm-hmm. the shit out of you with. So, like, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. The guy his ass off exactly i mean he was he was a hell of a heel wrestler back in his day and it just transferred over naturally to being one of if not the best heel managers of all time so yeah definitely deserves to be in the top 10 so yep classy freddie blassie that is our number nine pick our number eight pick coming in with 10 points total is i decided to do like a slash line here because he's known as one persona and then as another persona. So I'm combining it. I'm going to go with our number eight pick. Like I said, 10 points overall, Percy Pringle slash Paul bear. Oh yeah. Um, that's right. <laughs> he was number nine on Bob's list and he was number seven on both Adam and I's list. So yeah. Um, I want to say, you know, everybody, you know, especially newer fans know, uh, know him as, as a Paul bearer, you know, but what a lot of people tend to overlook is his work in the, uh, eighties and, you know, early nineties before he got over with, uh, with, um, Undertaker and WWF, he did a lot of work as Percy Pringle, um, you know, in, uh, what, what was it? Uh, USWA. I think he did some work in yeah. and, you know, leagues like that. And he was one of the top heel managers uh, back then. I remember watching him on uh, ESPN, you know, back in the day when they would run out in the afternoons after school. Right. And he would, uh, you know, he would be, you know, one of the top heel managers there, you know, he just doing dastardly things, you know, that a heel manager would do. And then when he crossed over and became Paul bear, he just became 
another, you know, it just gave him a second wind in his career. And if you, if you really want to really get in, you know, in enveloped in, in uh, his career, the WWE network actually did a really good, uh, get good retrospective on him uh, as part of the 30 days of undertaker thing. So go back and watch that. But yeah, when I, when I think of, uh, great managers, I think of Percy Pringle slash Paul Barry. He's, he's right up there with the greats. How about you, Bob? How do you feel about uh, Percy slash Paul? Uh, like like you said earlier, and, and Adam also, um, when he was talking about Paul Heyman in the intro, um, the thing I loved about Paul Bearer, one, they brought him over, and they, he, he created this character to go along with the wrestler of The Undertaker. You know, Percy Pringle was Percy Pringle, but when he came over, now he's this mortician, and he dyed the hair black, and the, the makeup's pale. And he, he went hand in hand with what The Undertaker was. But the fantastic thing about him is if you remember Undertaker, Kane, for the longest, they never spoke. Percy or uh, Paul Bearer was their mouthpiece and he would get them over just by him talking. Undertaker and Kane were just this menacing figure, but yet he was a mouthpiece for them. Kind of like what Adam mentioned with Heyman and Lesnar, you know, like he was just there and, uh, he, he would lead Undertaker to, to the, to the championship belt over Hogan. You know, he, he, started the streak with the undertaker at wrestlemania 7 so i mean uh yeah it's just stuff like that that he was just amazing at doing and i mean you, you were talking about his work with the uswa and florida championship wrestling where he also was manager for rick rude and uh, a young stone cold steve austin um you know lex luger stuff like that but it's just to me his biggest piece of work was when he was back in the wwe and that's why i ranked him high yeah where i did yeah, how about you, Adam? How do you feel about uh, about good old Paul Bear? A huge fan of both Percy and Paul. Uh, just uh, <laughs> he, he cracked me up too. I, I just uh, he <laughs> he was just uh, yeah uh, the, the model for what we talked about at the beginning of the show. I, I have vivid memory of uh, Kane making. I think it was his pay per view debut as a wrestler fighting mankind at Survivor Series, the infamous uh, Montreal pay per view. Uh, and him fighting uh, Mick Foley, and I hear some kid yell from the audience, get him, mankind, and Paul Beard just looks at the kid and goes, you shut your mouth! And just, just little <laughs> things like that. I mean, he he got it. I mean, he just, he knew what his job was, and like Bob mentioned, you know, he he, he was just a true professional. He he altered his character from from an already effective one in the in, uh, the independence of uh, back in the eighties and early nineties, like we mentioned, and he altered his character to fit who he managed and, and all that. He, he just, he just added that element. Another favorite memory of mine, uh, everybody uh, may or may not remember that he actually turned on the undertaker uh, to manage Vader. And uh, it wasn't uh, when he was managing Vader. I remember a match where he took his shoe off. I think he was fighting Ken Shamrock. He was beating Shamrock (laughs) with his shoe. And it's like, you know, this guy just is awesome. You know, he's just, he, he just got it. You know, he, he knew what his job was and he did it tremendously, whether through his words or, or, or his actions at ringside, uh, he was just a, a pleasure to watch. And, and, and he, such great talent as everybody already mentioned. Uh, uh, he didn't have many duds as a manager, uh, you know, Kane and the taker, of course, won world titles in WWF and, we mentioned Rick Rude, Steve Austin, you know, just just 
tremendous wrestlers, uh, and he just uh, brought them the further greatness. He, uh, he was he was an enhancement. So yeah, big big fan of Percy Pringle slash Paul Bear. Yeah, yeah, definitely deserves his uh, number eight ranking on our list. All right, number seven. We're going to move to our number seven pick with 14 points. Um, She is the epitome of the graceful valet. Uh, She, of course, when you think of Macho Man Randy Savage, you automatically think of Miss Elizabeth. She's our number seven manager slash valet of all time. Uh, She was on Bob's list at number 10. She was on my list at number six. And Adam, you had her all the way up at number three. Um, how, why, you, why did you feel that uh, Miss Elizabeth deserved to be ranked so high? Uh, I hit her so high because uh, she, uh, she was different, I guess. Uh, she she uh, kind of redefined the, the, the genre a little bit, I think. You know, we're talking mostly men. Uh, of course, there are other female managers, but uh, most of them were men, former wrestlers, kind of tough looking guys. And, and, and she was just, she was just a pretty lady. And, and uh, it was just, it was just a different character for the time. It was just, she, she kind of, she was classy, but she, she wasn't like you know, just a girl next door type of type of manager, not, you know, some of the other uh, women that were on my list, uh, you know, they had that toughness thing or they were former women's wrestlers themselves. She was just, she was when you when I hear the word ballet, that's who I think of. She was just a, a pretty yeah. lady, just 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 she was one of us, kind of just uh one of one of the fans, uh almost just very down to earth and, and girl next door type. And uh, you know, she just had a great saga, I felt, in in her run, especially in the WWF. Of course, starting out as Macho Man's manager and and the feuds, you know, you know, the Macho Man feuding with George the Animal Steel over, over her, and he didn't like the treatment of her. You know, he felt that uh, what the rest of the fans were thinking, like we don't like the way Macho Man treats her. Then later on, when when he turned face, she was this supportive manager, leading him to, to a world title run. Of course, we talked about the cocaine fueled uh, Mega Powers, how she was the centerpiece of that feud, um, and then. Once she had the falling out with Randy Savage, you know, she was feuding with Sensational Sherry. She was helping Hogan and Beefcake fight Macho Man and uh, the late Zeus. Um, You know, she just managed winners wherever she went. Then she was in Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire's Corner, WrestleMania 6, when they did a mixed tag, Dusty and Sapphire versus Macho and, and Sherry. And one of my favorite, uh, most uh, emotional moments as a wrestling fan was when Macho Man had the retirement match with the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 7. And, uh, and Sherry turned on Macho Man at the end of the match when he lost. And then she just ran out of the, oh, they showed her at the beginning of the match. And then, but she ran into the ring out of nowhere and just threw Sherry out of the ring. And they reunited. And it was, it was just, you know, it, 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 the way she was used was just, it, played very well to like everyday storylines that everybody could get behind. So she had a great run in the WWF. It was great stuff when Macho Man and, and Flair were feuding and, and Ric Flair doctored photos and pretended that 
they had a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, she was just in a lot of great storylines. And again, uh, she just, she had the, she wasn't big. She wasn't a fighter. So she had to use other attributes to, to, uh, to get over as a manager. Uh, she had some okay moments in WCW. Uh, she, she managed Savage in WCW for a while. Then she turned on him and started managing Ric Flair. And she was in the horseman with him for a little while longer. So, you know, just, I, I like the storylines. And again, there was nobody like her at the time. And, uh, so I think it was just a real cutting edge character for the, for the time when a lot of big and tough people were roaming around the ring. Miss Elizabeth just was kind of an everyday person uh, in a big person's world. All right. Well, Bob, you had her at number 10. Uh, you just had her just making the list. What, what are your thoughts on Miss Elizabeth? Yeah, I'll, I'll always remember her, like Adam said. I mean, at that time, managers were mostly men when we were growing up little kids. Uh, you know, you, you had your, your slicks and your Mr. Fuji's and stuff like that. But Miss Elizabeth was the first lady of professional wrestling. You know, she was the first female valet that I could remember as a child. And, um, you know, a lot of the things that Adam talked about, she she was like the main storyline focus for a lot of Macho Man's famous feuds, like you said, with Georgie Animal Steel, with Flair, with uh, Hogan, with... Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, you know, a lot of those uh, feuds that he had, she was main, pretty much the main storyline focus as to why those feuds were occurring. So, I mean, she was always in the picture. She never took away from Savage because Savage could obviously wrestle and talk his ass off and, you know, had an amazing character himself. But uh, she was always really good just to be paired alongside with him. But um, that's why I put her at 10. And she, she was a huge, important piece of uh, wrestling when we were growing up. Yeah. I mean, she... Like I said, her and Macho Man were hand-in-hand, man. You couldn't think of one without thinking of the other. And, you know, Elizabeth, she you're right. She wasn't, like, she wasn't a female wrestler. She wasn't, like, the tough, I'm going to, you know, I'd beat your ass if I can kind of kind of valet. She was, you know, like I said, graceful and beautiful. And, you know, and because of that, she always kind of played the damsel in distress. But, you know, she did a great job of it, you know, and Mm. she just like Adam said, and like you said about she just bought a different kind of feel to uh, the role of valet that nobody had really ever seen before. So, yeah, she was she was towards the middle of my list, but she, you know, she she made all of our top tens. So that speaks very highly of her. So I had a brief. Yeah, I had a brief trivia question about her. Yeah, go ahead. She had one official match uh, during her career. Can you name who it was against? I'll give you a hint. It was in WCW, of course. Of course. Um, Booked by Bro. Was it against uh, Virgil? No. (laughs) (laughs) He would have jobbed to her. Yeah, of course. How about you, Bob? Do you know who it is? Daphne. Who was it, Adam? Daphne? Yes. Oh, my God. Wow. Was that when she was with Crowbar? Uh, possibly. Had to have been. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Wow. What an amazing match that was. No. Uh, late stage WCW. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, let's move to number six on our list. 
with 14 and a half points. Um, when you think Miss Elizabeth, you think of Grace. But when you think of Sherry Martell, you kind of think the opposite. Uh, yeah. We're, you know, the kind of mirror opposite of Miss Elizabeth. Scary Sherry Martell is number six on our list at 14 and a half points. She was number five on Bob's list. She was number three on my wow. list. And she, but she was one of Adam's honorable mentions. Um, how about you, Bob? What, 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 what did you like so much about Sherry Martell? Sherry Martell again, uh, was, she stood out in in a land where, like I said, the, the men were mostly known as being the managers. And here's this female manager that stood out and dominated. And by dominate, I mean, anyone that was with Sherry Martell was, was gold. Uh, perfect example, Harlem Heat. That's all I have to say. Harlem Heat, you know, perfect example. Shawn Michaels, perfect example. Like she was in that transitioning phase of going from uh, a, a baby face, lovable character to that bad guy. And I feel like Sherry Martell pushed them that way, you know, and, and helped them out. Yeah. Uh, Macho Man, when he turned into the Macho King that Adam just mentioned, you know, she helped the villainize a character and she was like you said the opposite of uh miss elizabeth where sherry could get in there and whoop your ass if she wanted to and she could hold her own with the boys um but she could bump like no other too she was fantastic at at, at that she made all these other wrestlers i mean the male wrestlers would never really strike a female at that time but anytime she had to take a bump or sell something she made everyone look like a million bucks and that's what i loved about sherry martell yeah i love the same things i mean you, whenever you hear wrestlers talk about Sherry Martell. It was, you know, A, she, they say she was one, like, despite her ring persona, she was one of the sweetest people backstage. Yeah. But she could hold her own in the ring. She was tough as shit. And, yeah, j- just the fact that, you know, she could walk the walk and talk to talk earned her a lot of respect backstage. And the fact that, like you said, she would – bring out the best in whoever she was with, be it Shawn Michaels, be it the macho man, um, you know, or like you said, Harlem heat. It's, you know, she, she had the moxie and the ability to not only put her wrestlers over, but to also turn the crowd too. you know, mm-hmm. the, the crowds love to boo her and you could tell that she reveled in that. So yeah, she was, among the best heel managers of all time, in my opinion. I I remember being a little kid, and, and I, I used to love PWI. We always talk about PWI magazines. And I'll always remember reading an article where a storyline, Sherry Martell had attacked Arn Anderson, and she she wrapped her fingers around his eyes and, and scratched his eyes. And there was this whole article on Arn Anderson talking about how dangerous Sherry was because she reached his fingers in the eyes and and I gouged them and scratched his cordia. And here I am as a little kid, not understanding the business as, as we should. And I'm like, man, I can't believe she hurt a wrestler that way. Like, why would she do that? Like, and then every time I would watch a match and I would see Sherry in the opposite corner, I'd I'd be leery. I'd be like, I hope she doesn't grab someone's eyes out (laughs) or poke someone's eyes out or scratch their corneas because I was like, I legitimately believed in it. And I was like, Arn Anderson got hurt because of her. I hope she doesn't hurt anybody else, but she could do that because she's that strong, you know. And I'll always remember that about Sherry. So that that always stands out. Yeah, 
How about you, Adam? She was real. She was she was in your honorable mentions, Adam. What do you what What are your thoughts on Sherry? Oh, she was she was great. Everything you guys said. Uh, the only reason she didn't make my top ten is um, aside from Harlem Heat. I don't believe she managed any world champions. If I if I I might be mistaken about that, but Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas oh, I must have missed that. Okay, uh, but. Yeah. Uh, but the, everything you guys said, yeah, I mean, she was tough as nails, and and, and she could mix it up, which you know, I, I, I a lot of I think one of her monikers was scary Sherry because and it, it was very appropriate yeah. because yeah, uh, it was a complete one eighty going back to Randy Savage from Miss Elizabeth who was gentle and it's Tony said damsel in distress at all times and here's this woman yeah clawing people's eyes out and just it, it just going nuts. Uh, she was scary. It was, you know, because I was used to Miss Elizabeth and, and Missy Hyatt and, and people like that who, you know, if the wind blew, they might fall over. So she she was she was a different <laughs> different uh, cut from a different cloth. Um, yeah, and and as you guys mentioned, yeah, she she helped get a lot of people over uh, to to where they needed to go. You know to get Macho Man hated and, and to get Shawn Michaels even more obnoxious than he already was. And, you know, seven, seven runs is uh, managing seven time tag team champions, Harlem heat. That's, that's uh, nothing to sneeze at either. Yeah. She, she was one of the best female managers of all time. Just uh, again, just add, added to the match uh, with what she could bring. It, it was that, that extra X factor that I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show. She, she definitely brought that during her career as a manager. Yeah, most definitely. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. All right. Well, let's move on to our top five gentlemen in the fifth position with 15 points, just eking over Sherry Martell. We have a man who, for the life of me, I always wanted to know how the fuck he got those rubber bands to stick in his cheek. <laughs> We're talking about the one and only Captain Lou Albano. He is our number five. Uh, like I said, 15 points. He was number four on Bob's list, number four on Adam's list. He was only number 10 on my list. But I do have all the utmost respect for Captain Lou. Um, let's start with you, Adam. You had him number four on your list. What can you say about Captain Lou Albano? I teased uh, earlier in the show. That's who I was talking about. Uh, Lou Albano was was kind of a mid card wrestler, um, not a very good one. But he, uh, Bruno San Martino told Vince McMahon Senior back in the day uh, that Lou needs to be a manager because he has the gift of gab. Uh, he wound up managing Ivan Koloff, who was the one who ended Bruno San Martino's seven-year championship reign. So uh, the, that that's a big feather in the cap because obviously nobody beat Bruno San Martino back in the day. Um, he just has a laundry list of champions. Uh, Don Morocco, Greg the Hammer Valentine won Intercontinental titles under his management. He had 13 different tag team champions, including the Valiant Brothers, the Wild Samoans, the Blackjacks. Moondogs, U.S. Express, and the British Bulldogs. Um, and then he did a lot for mainstream popularity, too, uh, for the WWF. We've talked about the rock and roll connection in the mid-'80s a few times on this show. And 
you know, he he was in the Cindy Lauper video, wound up feuding with her, and uh, they kind of had a <laughs> uh, they wrestled each other vicariously. Uh, him, uh, Lou represented Fabulous Moolah, and Cindy Lauper represented Wendy Richter, and and they wrestled each other on on a fledgling channel called MTV that used to play this thing called music videos. Uh, back in the day before they played reruns of the Wayans brothers and, and whatever else they play now. Uh, so it was a big shot in the arm for, for uh, pop culture. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it was just gold. Whatever he touched turned to gold pretty much. He had a long, uh, successful career managing many, many different uh, wrestlers and teams, mostly as a heel, but towards the end of his managerial uh, career. He was he was also a face, as I mentioned, managing the uh, the Bulldogs and the U.S. Express. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, just that mouthpiece to get get somebody over. Uh, he was too young for Ivan Koloff and Bruno Sammartino, but I mean, as Bob mentioned at the beginning of the show, to make Ivan Koloff even more despised, uh, you needed who was was an effective mouthpiece to really want you to see that match. And that Koloff and him must have had for ending that reign alone is just crazy to think about. So uh, just the long line of of success that he had, uh, he just revolutionized the business. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention he was dynamite in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show playing the title character. I was going to mention that as well. (laughs) All right, Bob. He can sing and yeah. dance to people. <laughs> All right, Bob, Captain Lou is number four on your list, too. What you got to say about him? A lot of what Adam talked about. I mean, the guy, like you said, huge career that he had and uh, all the all the multiple champs that he managed, uh, tag teams and singles wrestlers. You know, the guy, the guy was awesome. He was a great talker, man. The guy could talk his ass off, and you just want to listen to whatever it is that he could say. Um, but like, like Adam said, when I was doing the research on him, when Ivan Koloff won, uh, the crowd, what nuts, like just the build up to that match, you know, Captain Lou, uh, would just rip on Bruno and like get the crowd riled up. But when he won, like the crowd rioted that they had to run out, you know, to their car and then they drove off to a different restaurant just to hide from the fans. And then the fans found out where they were at. So they go to the restaurant and they start, <laughs> no, it was a, it was a bar. I'm sorry. They go to a bar. And uh, the crowd found out, and they destroyed the bar, and the WWE had to pay for the tab to fix the bar. Uh, when I was doing the research on it, I was just like, holy crap. And then I did find out, to help you out, Tony, he would use uh, safety pins to poke into his cheek oh, and hang rubber pants on there. So, uh, yeah, the guy would do everything to, to get his character over, but his, the, the biggest thing was, like you said, his the people he managed. I mean, when Adam was talking about how he would uh, be the perfect mouthpiece, I, I always think of the Bulldogs. Um, British Bulldog and Dynamite Kid, they, they really wouldn't talk much, you know, Davy Boy Smith. And uh, when he went over and he started talking for them, it was just like, okay, that was that missing piece that they needed. So uh, I, I love Captain Lou. I, I actually used to have a long sleeve t-shirt with Captain Lou's face on it that my buddy gave me. So uh, fantastic shirt. I always loved it. Yeah. yeah, I love Captain Lou too. Like you said, he's very versatile. He can work heel and he can work face just as effectively. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, gift of gab, the guy could talk his ass off, which is one of the leading attributes you always want in a manager. 
Um, and like I said, I mean, he was one of the forefront guys in that whole WWF revolution. You know, when when WWF started to take over nationally, he was one of the the four figures. You know, especially especially yeah. among the uh, the managers. So yeah, Captain Lou, number five on our list. Uh, let's go to number four. Number four on our list with 17 points overall. You know, when we have our friend Rich Tito on the show, sometimes we call him the mouth of the South suburbs. But <laughs> the original mouth of the South is who we have at number four. The mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, with uh, 17 points as our number four manager of all time. Um, he was number six on Bob's list, number six on Adam's list. And he was number four on my list. Um, I just remember, you know, when you think of Jimmy Hart, you know, you just think of this little impish guy with a mullet and a megaphone just running his ass around the ring, that high-pitched voice, you know, just when you think of a hype man, Jimmy Hart is like one of the most quintessential hype men in the history of professional wrestling, I think. You know, if you want a guy to get over, Jimmy Hart does a hell of a job in getting a guy over. Um, and like I said, most most of his time in WWF, especially, he was a heel manager. He wasn't like one of those managers who you, you know, would get real, real, like, vicious to you, like a Freddie Blassie or, or even a Sherry Martell. You know, Jimmy Hart's was a different kind of heat. He was more annoying. And that's why that's why everybody hated him, you know. But <laughs> you know, Jimmy Hart, you know, he was just, you know, he knew he know he knows the business like the back of his hand. He's been in it forever, and he knows what to do in order to get guys over, especially guys who can't really talk for themselves. You know, when when he was managing, you know, a guy like Greg the Hammer Valentine, you know, Greg Valentine can't talk for shit. But it, but you you put a guy like Jimmy Hart with him, and he's like he's going for the intercontinental belt on a consistent basis, you know. So yeah, that's why I think Jimmy Hart is so important to wrestling history. He's one of the best hype men of all time. Um, how about you, Bob? You had Jimmy Hart at number six on your list. What do you got to say about him? Uh, Jimmy Hart was awesome, and. Uh... And you mentioned my boy Rich Tito. If, if Tito was on the show, he would have had JJ Dillon high up there with me too. Yeah. So props to Rich on that one. Uh, um, Jimmy Hart was fun, and, and the way I always remember Jimmy Hart again when I'm doing this thing, it makes me it brings back memories of when I was younger. And I remember watching wrestling with my grandfather. May he rest in peace. I remember watching re- with him, and um, we're just sitting there, and Jimmy Hart was getting chased by the Ultimate Warrior. And he runs underneath the ring, and that's when Ultimate Warrior goes underneath it and, like, grabs his pants. And Jimmy Hart's running around the ring in his boxers. And, <laughs> um, and I remember my grandfather just laughing, saying, finally, finally, that guy got what he deserved. And so that, like, that memory alone makes it Jimmy Hart spectacular because he played his role to the perfect tee. He got the fans to, you know, hate him because of how obnoxious, annoying he was. But again, he played his role to a perfect T in the fact of like he would back up his wrestlers no matter what. The coats, the the, the coats that he would have airbrushed yeah. uh, after every single 
Oh, man, Dino Bravo, he had one. Um, like yeah, Honky Tonk Man, he had one. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the one with Hogan. You know, anything he, anyone he backed, he he would back one hundred percent. And the guy was just a manager of champs. Um, the Heart Foundation. I'll always remember the Heart Foundation. Uh, like you said, Valentine, the the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time, the Honky Tonk Man. That's right. Um. He, he even managed, you know, at that time, back in the day, the WWE had the women's tag belts, the, the Glamour Girls, Judy Martin, Leilani Kai. Uh, he was their manager when they won the titles. Uh, the Nasty Boys, he put them over, over the Heart Foundation. You know, just stuff like that that he would do. The Mountie, he, he was managing the Mountie with <laughs> Bret Hart. Um, you know, even, even and, and then you said he was the perfect mouthpiece. Remember when the, the big show came out, WCW, he was a giant. Yeah, and the Big Show never talked, but who they put him with? Jimmy Hart. He turned on Hogan to join uh, to go with uh, the Big Show, uh, the Giant at that time, and he was the mouthpiece for the Giant. So I mean, the guy was just perfect at what he did. He he was. Uh, I, I love the megaphone. It was perfect for him. Uh, I love me some Jimmy Hart. Always will. All right, Adam, you had uh, Jimmy Hart at number six as well. What are your thoughts on the mouth of the South? Would you guys care to guess how old Jimmy Hart is? Oh my God, he's he's well, he's. I know he he was in a really popular band back in the sixties. Yeah, Gentry. Zen- keep on dancing. Yeah, keep on dancing. The Gentries. Yeah, so he's got to be in his seventies at this point. He's he's seventy eight. That blew my mind. He's, I, I, well, I he's almost wow. Yes, he looks great. Uh, let me he let does. me start by saying that, and I'm not trying to hit him up for money or anything, but he looks great. Um, so the back to the topic, uh, that freaking megaphone, I mean, un- <laughs> unbelievable when I, when I was a kid and, and I was watching, I'm like, this guy is obnoxious. He's, he's, you know, that it would make a noise too, like a police siren kind of yeah. sometimes. And, and then he'd be just yammering in it throughout the entire match. And, and I'm like, this dude is annoying. And Tony, you're a wordsmith. Impish? That that's that's a great choice. <laughs> you really are a wordsmith, my friend. Well, thank you. Thank you very uh, much. But uh, uh, he was he was a little he was a little pipsqueak, and, and and you know he of course uh, as we ran down he he mostly managed heel, um, and that was obviously his strong suit. I mean he was he was a male cheer, cheerleader. That's really what he was. Mm-hmm. He was a male cheerleader. Because that 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 was that was his thing, and and again, yeah, he added uh, as we were talking about with uh, other managers on our list, he just brought that extra entertainment factor, that X factor. Um, Bobby told that story about about uh, watching with your grandfather and the warrior chasing him, I mean, things like that were happening all the time to, to Jimmy Hart. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. everyone would be chasing him or or slugging him, and 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 it just. It was it was like almost like that was part of the show when you went to a house show back in the day. It's like you had to see Jimmy Hart get slugged by somebody, or you felt almost a little cheated. And again, uh, just just the roster of guys he managed. Uh, you're right, uh, Tony. Too. I, I I I love me some Greg the Hammer Valentine, but I, I don't remember him saying more than ten words, and he's been wrestling for fifty seven years. So, I mean. <laughs> So yeah, uh, you know he 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 had the look for Honky Tonk Man. It was perfect. He he did. He looked like uh, someone who would manage Elvis. 
Uh, and again, he, he seemed to manage some of those annoying guys. I mean, the mount, he was annoying too. I mean, he sang and he had a cattle prod that was lame. Um, and in the way the nasty boys won the tag belts with the helmet, that always pissed me off because I was a huge heart foundation fan. He just, he just managed the most obnoxious guys. And uh, he, he was just a little, he was like an annoying little brother almost. He was always poking at you, and and uh, he was tremendous at it. So um, he checks all the boxes uh, for me in terms of legendary managers. Yeah, and like I said, we bring up Greg Valentine and the Honky Tonk Man. He was also the manager for Rhythm and Blues. Yeah, that's right. Right. And DDP drove him uh, drove him down the aisle at WrestleMania six. Right, and that pink Cadillac. That's right. Yeah, Greg the Hammer Valentine dying his hair black. He hated that gimmick, from what I understand. Yeah, I... I forgot the earthquake. He was he introduced us to the earthquake too. That's right. Oh yeah, another reason I hated him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was Jimmy Hart at number four. We're now in our top three, gentlemen, and at number three with twenty points overall. You you love him. He's uh, definitely an opinionated son of a bitch. <laughs> if you want to, just listen to his shoot interviews, listen to his podcast. Forever and ever. He will definitely give you his opinion on anything and everything. Of course, I'm talking about Mr. Tennis Racket himself. Jim Cornette <laughs> has come in at number three on our list. 20 points overall. He was number three on Bob's list. And he was number five on both me and Adam's list. Bob, you had him at number three. Sing the praises of Jim Cornette for us. Jim Cornette was amazing. Uh, you want to talk about a perfect heel that could just rile up a crowd. Jim Cornette did that like nobody else could. And I'm going to give you a perfect example. The Starcade match, the scaffold, where he's on the top and he falls off. Yeah. Adam's boy, Big Bubba Rogers, the big boss man's supposed to catch him. Yep. He's wearing sunglasses. He can't see. <laughs> so he <laughs> forgets to catch them and, and, and he completely misses them. Cornet <laughs> falls, legitimately destroys his knee when he falls, and the crowd goes apeshit when it happens. Like the guy literally <laughs> hurt himself, needed surgery and everything, and, and here is the crowd going nuts because he hurt himself. This guy could draw heat like nobody else in the world. Um, he, we, when we talked about our favorite tag teams, the Midnight Express popped up. This guy was the face behind the Midnight Express. Uh, just random like crazy. And, and he was the one that like fans would buy tickets just to see Jim Cornette get his ass kicked. Uh, but the guy could talk. The guy could sell a promo like no other. Um yeah, I, I love me some Jim Cornette. I mean, he was just a huge mama's boy. Remember when he would come out, everything he had, his mom gave him. Um, yeah. Th- and that was just his gimmick. And you just hated him because of that. And to me, he was one of the best heel managers of all time. I love Jim Cornette. Yeah. How about you, Adam? What do you think about Jim Cornette? Well, a lot of the praises I sang of uh, Jimmy Hart a few minutes ago, kind of the same applies to Jim Cornette, but he even ups it a notch. Um, uh, again, uh t- Back in the day, especially just small, rich, spoiled, just geeky, 
and uh, he had a big mouth. Like uh, he, he was like that dude in high school. He wanted to kick his ass because he he was just so annoying and and stuff like that. But the the uh, not that Jimmy Hart didn't have a love for the business too. But Jim Cornette has such a passion for the wrestling business. Uh, it's it's unmatched. I mean, you hear it on his podcast now, like we say, and that's why he hates Vince Russo's guts because he feels that he he doesn't get the business. I mean. Uh, Jim Cornette would do anything to get anybody over and, 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 and to do what needed to be done for business. I mean, I was, uh, when I did my research, I, you know, everybody, of course, remembers countless feuds with Midnight and Rock and Roll Express. And Bob mentioned the scaffold match. I, I, I had no idea that he also had Magnum TA tarred and feathered. I mean, that, that yeah. I, I, I can imagine the amount of heat that that caused back in the day because Magnum TA was hugely over back at that time before his unfortunate accident. Uh, and then later on in his career, uh, you know, he was the American spokesman for Yokozuna when he was champion and, and uh, he managed Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. Uh, and they were a tag team together. He managed Vader. Uh, he just, he just seemed to latch on to the guys that the fans just couldn't stand. And again, uh, talk about the gift of gab. He just, uh, he was he, just the fact he wears the business on his sleeve is why I think I like him so much. I, I remember all the, the promos that he would cut uh, back in the day on Raw where he would run down WCW. And, and, and unfortunately, the payoff was the NWA angle where they gave him the new Midnight Express. And that's probably why he's number five because he managed that team. But, but, <laughs> but I mean, uh, uh, I can't sing his praises enough other than that i mean just uh, a guy who's just as passionate as the fans are about about wrestling and and uh again as, as bob mentioned uh it was and i mentioned with jimmy hart earlier it's just a treat for the fans to see him you know get his from whoever uh his team was wrestling that night so yeah just one of the greatest minds in, in wrestling history in my opinion yeah, very true. Very true. I mean, aside from just being a great manager, you know, and just knowing that role, he also had a great wrestling mind. Like you said, he yeah. started he started uh, Smoky Mountain wrestling there, and it was mm-hmm. a, it was pretty big for a little bit, you know. And just the wrestling business just flows in his blood. You know it. You know mm-hmm. he. I, I don't agree with his newer kind of criticisms when it comes to companies like AEW. You know, he's he's old school to a fault, yeah. you know, because a lot of his ideas that he goes for nowadays just wouldn't work. You know, he's very inflexible as far as how a company can progress in modern times. But that doesn't discount everything he's done and everything that he means to modern professional wrestling. He has a very big place in the history of uh, modern professional wrestling and his work as a manager in the eighties, nineties, and into even into the two thousands, you know, just is a, is a testament to that. So yeah, I salute Jim Cornette, you know, I don't always agree with them, but goddamn, he was a great manager and he definitely deserves to be number three on our list. I'm totally team Cornette, but but the one thing I'll give Vince Russo is the whole uh, anyone who comes out of a box is immediately over. I, I have to side with Russo on that one. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, granted, it was Terry Funk with pantyhose on his head, but I mean, still. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go into number two on our list, guys. Number two on our list, we were all, what like, like we used to say, great minds think alike. Uh, number two on our list, we, it was a unanimous number two between all three of us. With 27 points at the number two position, we have Paulie Dangerously himself, Paul Heyman. Um, Bob, let's start with you. Um, what is it about Paul Heyman that makes him so great? You talked about uh, Jim Cornette having wrestling run through his blood and his veins and everything. You have to say the same thing about Paul Heyman. Um, when, when we talked about someone that could be a perfect mouthpiece for that character that's missing it, Paul Heyman. Um, that man gets the best out of every single one of his performers that he's been around. Um, he's been doing it for years. The Dangerous Alliance, um, Rick Rude, Steve Austin. Um, we talked about Cornette and the Midnight Express. Paul Lee had the uh, the original Midnight Express, and then he took them over there, and they feuded with uh, the other, the new Midnight Express, which was a fantastic feud. Um, CM Punk, he he helped CM Punk when CM Punk had that 434 day t- uh, championship reign. Yeah. Uh, Brock Lesnar, obviously, we all know Brock Lesnar. He helped Brock Lesnar end the Undertaker streak. I mean, no one else could ever say that in their entire life. Brock Lesnar beat the Undertaker streak. Uh, just everything about Paul Heyman, I've loved him since the very beginning. Uh, the man helped Sabu in ECW win the heavyweight and the TV belt. Um, just loved him, loved him. He even uh, he turned on Lesnar. He, he was with the Big Show for a while. He had the Big Show win the belt. Uh, and then he turned on the big show and he helped Kurt Angle win the belt. So, I mean, he was, I think that was three wrestlers in a row that he was actually managing that all had the belt and no, no one else could ever say that. But uh, Paul Lee, like you said, the, an amazing mind, an amazing promo guy. He just sucks you in and you're just captivated by every single promo he ever does. That's Paul Lee to a perfect T. Yeah. How about you, Adam? Your thoughts on the wonderful Paul Heyman? The master of the pipe bomb, really. I mean, uh, he he sets the bar. Uh, that that's the first thing I'll say. Um, and again, you know, with wrestling today, I mean, there are managers, there are coaches and stuff. There are a lot of coaches in AEW, for instance. But I mean, he's he's the standard for for the last I'd say decade and a half of of wrestling managers. It's like, like Bob just mentioned with the, with the list of guys from Lesnar to angle, the big show, CM Punk, uh, he managed uh, Mr. Perfect son. to an icy title. I mean, just anyone who wants to get over as a heel, that that's where you go. You go to Paul Heyman because, because he's got it. Uh, I mean, you know, again, some of these guys we mentioned all great talkers, but, but I mean, I, I, again, he sets the bar very high, in that regard, um, of course, we mentioned the Dangerous Alliance. Uh, the, just some of the great talent he managed there. Rick Rude and Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, Steve Austin. I mean, just that alone gets you on the top ten before you talk about anything else. Um, of course, the visionary for ECW didn't didn't manage much there. But 
But again, uh, just brings out the best in people. Um, you know, even behind the scenes when he wasn't man, uh, he did manage like Bob mentioned uh, Sabu and nine one one. But behind the scenes, running ECW, you know, uh, guys like Steve Austin, he he comes over after WCW fires him and. And he said, oh, just come over, cut some promos. And, and Austin was kind of like, uh, you know, uh, he wasn't the promo guy he is now, and everyone knows him for. He's like, well, what do you want me to do? And Heyman just uh, gives him small direction. How'd you feel about getting fired? Just talk about that. Just, uh, you know, let it yeah. all out. Go from your heart. And and I, that that is the standard that all, all wrestlers should follow. I mean, again, he's just shaped so many careers, uh, both backstage and and on camera that, uh, you know, it's, it's astounding. Just again, like Cornette, just the tremendous mind and, and, and really just uh, a figure that wrestling fans will always remember. It's just timeless. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, like I said, starting with his work in, in NWA slash WCW with the dangerous Alliance. And then we had a bad break with WCW, went on to ECW and turned that little fed into a, what would become the number three wrestling promotion, you know, in America. To, what he did with ECW is just amazing, you know. And after ECW, unfortunately, you know, passed, he transitions into WWE first as a as a commentator and again now as not not a manager but an advocate i i love that you know I, I love that he just he refuses to to reference himself as a manager he's an advocate so yeah and like you said the, a good manager is always like a a mouthpiece for you know guys who can't really talk and in in the case of guys like you know, Lesnar, or even now Roman Reigns, who can talk a little bit, but not that great. You do need a guy like Paul Heyman there to kind of, you know, a guy who can talk and motivate and sell a match and get people in the seats. But he also was the manager for CM Punk, who was one of the top talkers of all time. And he still was, you know, an integral part of, that duo so it doesn't have to just be guys who can't talk he, wherever he goes paul Heyman is i think just strikes gold. gold yeah you know he's definitely belongs in any kind of professional hall of fame that's available he's one of the best minds one of the best talents one of the best talkers ever of all time paul Heyman definitely deserves to be number two on our list all right. Well, that brings us to our number one. But like every week, before we get to our number ones, we're going to go through our our top five honorable mentions. These are picks that just barely missed our top ten. Um, what we're going to do with the honorable mentions is I'll give you the the points and where they placed on our lists. And for time purposes, I'll give the floor to the person who rank them the highest on their particular list. All right. So our first honorable mention, which would be our number 11 pick, just barely missed the top 10 with three and a half points is the queen of extreme Francine. She was one of Bob's honorable mentions and she was number eight on Adam's list. So Adam, 
tell us what you like about Francine. The Francine, uh, again, uh, is just one of the, the most important figures, especially uh, female-wise in ECW. Um, just, uh, again, talk about winning wherever you go. Uh, she started out managing, moved on to the Pitbulls. Uh, they won the tag belts and then managed Pitbull number two to the TV title. Of course, everyone knows uh, she managed Shane Douglas, uh, two world titles, um, and was with him for pretty much his entire stay in, in ECW. Um, then she moved on to Tommy Dreamer. Uh, then uh, <laughs> wound up wrestling Steve Carino in singles matches. Uh, then finished ECW run managing Just Incredible to a title. So she just was the her, uh, she was a manager of champions. She was known as the, the Queen of Extreme. So she was the, uh, for all the young men in the audience, uh, uh, they would do, uh, she would be engaged in cat fights. So I can't even get my voice like Joey Styles, but, but that was always there. She, thank you. <laughs> yeah. She could swing a kendo stick pretty good in her own right. Um, again, just, just the manager of champion, uh, you know, a girl who, who could kick a lot of ass, uh, not quite Sherry Martell like, but 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 she held her own. So uh, yeah, I just uh, again, just uh, I the ECW's most one of probably the most successful manager in ECW, I would say, in terms of titles and and recognition. Yeah, it was her. Yeah, her and yeah, Don Marie too. There's another ECW pick that we have in our honorable mentions, but we'll get to him later. Um, I, love, I love that she could uh, she could she could uh, take a bump like no other man. How many times would she get pile driven during a match? And you know, like uh, like she could sell really well. Yeah, she could. She really could. And to be and to be in ECW, a lot of people, including the managers, had to you know hold their own in the ring. So mm-hmm. she was more than willing to do that. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, our next honorable mention. Who also had three and a half points? Uh, Mr. Fuji uh, was in our honorable men- honorable mentions. She was on Adam's honorable mention list, and he was number eight on my list. So I'll go forward and give you my thoughts on Mr. Fuji. You know, I love Mr. Fuji. He was, you know, starting back with you know when he was teamed up with Don Morocco and did Fuji Vice. And- <laughs> <laughs> you know that kind of stuff, and you know he he was always the dastardly manager. You know he hit guys with the cane, or he would you know when he was with Yokozuna, he would throw salt in the other guy's eyes, and you know just always getting involved, always trying to get his guy over. You know Fuji was a great heel manager, one of the best heel managers of all time, in my opinion. Um, not much of a talker, but didn't need to be, you know, it was the mystique of Mr. Fuji. I think that, you know, got everybody over, you know, he was even with friggin' demolition for crying out loud, you know, Fuji was great. I loved Fuji and that's why I put him so high on my list. And I'm happy that he's one of our honorable mentions in our master list. He definitely deserves a shout out there. I, um, I definitely am very careful around salt because of Mr. Fuji. 
Yeah, definitely. You you know what it brings. You know what it brings. The loss at WrestleMania nine. That's for sure. Two losses actually. Yeah. All right. Our next honorable mention with three points uh, made all three of our lists, but we'll give Adam the floor because she ranked higher. Uh, We're talking about woman. Woman is our next uh, honorable mention. Three points. She was on Bob's honorable mentions. She was in my honorable mentions and she was number nine on Adam's list. So go ahead, Adam. Talk about woman a bit. Well, woman, uh, was uh it's i i the, <laughs> it's kind of a funny name I, I i wish they'd been a little more creative with that but i guess it kind of worked at the same time i just remember you know watch i, I was more of a wwf watcher but i would i would also tune into wcw and i and i saw a woman and she was also very attractive as well like miss elizabeth but she was a lot more physical and uh so it was kind of intriguing to me as a young fan uh, you know, she was associated with a lot of top talent at the time. She initially managed Doom, and then she was also involved with the Horsemen. Um, and then she had a, a, a good stay in ECW, too. She was the Sandman's original manager. Um, she managed Kevin Sullivan and, and a young Taz to the tag belts. And it, uh, also uh, Two Cold Scorpio, and he was TV champ over there. So she's a very important part of early ECW. Uh, at one at one time, Scorpio and Sandman were tag champs, also. So she simultaneously had all three belts as a manager, and then she went back to WCW. Was uh, part of the Horseman management again, and then of course got together with uh, Chris Benoit uh, and got into a uh, feud with her then husband, uh, later ex husband. That that feud uh, changed the marriages and course we all know the sad end to, to what happened there but uh when when uh she kind of retired after that uh to be a mother but while she was there uh, she made her presence known again a very powerful uh but uh in kind of a sexy way and in, in, in a different way at least for me for as a young fan is that she she had a she had a lot of class but it was uh kind of intimidating at the same time so I thought she was very cutting edge for her time as well. So that's why she checked in at number nine for me. Nice. All right. Our next honorable mention got one and a half points. And that's because he was an honorable mention on all three of our lists. It is the man who calls it right down the middle. Mr. Bill Alfonso. Bob, I'll give you the floor on Mr. Bill Alfonso. Tell me all about him. Fonzie was a man. I love me some Bill Alfonso, man. That guy was annoying as hell, but he got himself over whenever he needed to. The, we talked about all the uh, the weapons people would have, the, the, the tennis racket and the uh, megaphone and, you know, the canes. He got over with the damn whistle. Um, and just <laughs> annoying voice. The man who would call right down the middle, yeah, baby, yeah, like the way he would scream and he'd, during the matches, he would jump on the apron. Sometimes he'd even jump in the damn ring when RVD was doing stuff. I mean, he was just so much fun to watch. But you'd always want to see Fonzie get his ass kicked, too. But he, he started off as that straight edge referee that came over, that ECW was the land of extreme. And he's like, nope, we got to do everything by the rules, by the rules. And that's why everybody hated him. Um, but then when when he, he started being a manager, he came out with Taz and, 
you know, he was he he led Taz to that undefeated one year winning streak where he was just destroying everybody, and then he helped end Taz's undefeated streak when he turns on uh when he's with Sab he turns on him with Sabu, and then Sab- he leads Sabu to the title. He leads uh. RVD to the title. He leads both of them to the tag titles. RVD was a TV champ for 700 days. Who was the manager? The man that calls it right down the middle, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, leading Sabu to the world title when he beat Terry Funk in the barbed wire match that we've talked about in the past. Like, Bill Afonso was awesome. I loved him, and uh, he should have just, he should have got over more wherever else he went, but ECW was a perfect fit for him, and he was just Again, Francine was the face of ECW when it came to female managers. I think uh, Bill Alfonso was the male face. Yeah, I'd agree with that 100%. Yeah, and who can forget the match he had with Beulah, man? That Yeah. Oof. And again, one of the ECW's most ever famous, notorious matches that people talk about was between two managers slash valets, right. Bill Alfonso and Beulah. And it was just like everyone always talks about that because of how violent it was and how fantastic it stood out. But the the guy paid his dues, and like you said, like with Francine, you had to, you had to hold your own, and they did. Yeah, most definitely. All right, and we'll, that brings us to our last um, honorable mention. With one point, she was on both me and Adam's honorable mentions list. We're talking about Sunny. Sonny is our last honorable mention. Adam, I give you the floor. Talk about Tammy Lynn Sitch for Well, us. back in the day, I had a tremendous crush on her. I don't think she knew about it, but that's okay. Take a number, uh, I suppose, as far as that goes. <laughs> uh, yet, uh, just again, in the 90s, a lot of female managers were uh, they were becoming more of a more common, and Sonny was one of the more successful ones. She started out Jim Cornette's Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which you talked about a little earlier, and uh, managed her boyfriend, Chris Candido, and also Primetime Brian Lee, also known as Fake Undertaker in Chains, uh, to the Smoky Mountain title. Um, when Smoky Mountain folded, she wound up going to WWF, managing uh, Candido and Tom Pritchard as the Body Donnas that won the tag belts. Then she turned on them, uh, and the aligned herself with everybody's favorite hog farmers, the Godwins, and led them to the tag belts. Then turned on them uh, to lead the smoking guns to the tag belts. So it's a successful tag manager uh, uh, right off the bat. And then uh, she kind of turned her more of a announcer face of the company kind of thing um, that was on the cover of Raw Magazine. Uh, uh, I looked at that many times when I worked at OSCO uh, when I was bored. Uh, when I worked there, uh, I had a brief stint with LOD 2000, uh, managing them that didn't work over quite as well. Um, the bloom was beginning to come off the rose. She unfortunately had some personal issues, which she's still dealing with, but, but, uh, she, she, uh, was really an important figure in the WWF at that time, especially they were kind of struggling at the time. It was, it gave the fans something to be excited about and, and, and to get into, um, and, and she's still one of the most recognizable faces in terms of female uh, talent in the WWF. So I th- felt she deserved a spot on the list uh, for that as well. So, Yep, yep. And who could forget that, remember, 
they used to constantly say on WWE FTV that she was one of the most downloaded not, women. Yeah, in like something like 1997 that. or some shit. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, one of AOL's yeah, top downloaded noise. women. <laughs> <laughs> You've got mail. Yeah. All right. So those are our honorable mentions. So yeah, we've got to get to our top picks. Um, before we do that, let's do a brief rundown again of our of our top ten here so far. At number tw- number ten, we had we had JJ Dillon. Damn right. <laughs> At number nine, we had classy Freddie Blassie. At number eight, we had Percy Pringle slash Paul Bear. At number seven, the lovely Miss Elizabeth. At number six, we had Sherry Martell. At number five, we had Captain Lou Albano. At number four, we had the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. At number three, we have Jim Cornette. <coughs> and at number two, we had Paul Heyman himself, Polly Dangerously slash Paul Heyman. All right. That brings us to our number one pick, guys, and it's not even a question of who it is. We all had him at number one on our lists. It is the brain himself. Mr. Bobby Heenan is our number one manager of all time. Let's start with you, Bob. Let's sing the praises of one Bobby the Brain Heenan. Actually, I, w- I would like you to drop knowledge on this one, Tony. You tell me about Bobby the Brain Heenan in number oh, one. You want, you want me to start off, huh? I give you the floor on this one, sir. You you preach to the choir about the greatness of Bobby the Weasel. Bobby the Weasel Heenan, of course. I mean, just the funniest think, son of I a bitch. I think even Bond wrestling beyond wrestling ever in had, terms of hilarity, you know, just in general. <laughs> yeah. Just his way with a one-liner, he he was just so quick-witted, you know. His and he was such a great team with Gorilla Monsoon. Yes. He, he and Monsoon were so great together on the mic. It's you know, Monsoon was the straight man, and Heenan was just the joke machine, and they played played off each other beautifully. But when it comes to a ring manager, of course, Bobby Heenan. Probably the best heel manager of all time has to be. I remember uh, reading a reading a story about how back in 1975, when he was with the AWA, they had a show here in Chicago, and he was uh, managing Nick Bockwinkel at the time, and he got involved, and it caused a guy in the crowd to mm. get so pissed off that he fired a gun at mm-hmm. Bobby Heenan. Yeah, he missed. He, I think he, he hit other guys in the crowd. I think a, a few people actually did get hurt. But that guy was aiming for Bobby Heenan. That, sh- that shows you how effective he was as, as a heel manager back in the day, you know. Like I said, in AWA, that's where he got his footing, uh, most notably as the manager for uh, Nick Bockwinkle, also for Ray Stevens. But then he goes over to the WWE. WWF and becomes the head of what would be called the Heenan family, you know, and there was a ton of guys who were in and out of the Heenan family, 
know, you had guys like Andre the Giant, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, King Kong Bundy, Ravishing Rick Rude, the Brain Busters, Tully and Arn, um, Mr. Perfect, <laughs> Vanilla, <laughs> Vanilla as fuck. Uh, you know, he was part of it as the Red Rooster. Haku, like you said, the Islanders, Harley, um, Hercules. If you, know, if you were a, a top notch, yeah, Harley Race. If you were a top notch heel at some point in WWE, WWF, you were you were blessed to be in Bobby Heenan's presence. Mm-hmm. He was great. I loved Bobby Heenan, um, and it's a shame, you know, that he he left. He went to WCW wasn't nearly as effective in WCW as he was in WWF. Just didn't have the same kind of uh, chemistry that he had with guys like uh, Tony Schiavone. Um, He just was out of his element. But he... I loved it when he came back for that gimmick battle royal um, Mm -hmm. back at WrestleMania 20. And it was... um, even though it was just a little section of the show, he made the most of it. It was just classic Bobby Heenan. It turned out to be one of the, one of, if not the last thing he ever did with uh, the company. And it was a fitting end. And, you know, rest in peace, Bobby Heenan. Deserves every accolade he's got. Definitely number one manager of all time. How about you, Bob? Yeah, I I 100% agree with you. Bobby Heenan was amazing in everything that he did. He had this talent that he could make you, like, he would cut a promo and he could make you laugh, but then also make you, like, hate him, where you wanted, like, to throw something at the TV and the same promo. Like, he he just grasped your, like, into it that much. Like, I, I loved everything about him. He was funny as hell when he would talk. I mean, unfortunately, like you said, he passed away, but, I mean, He's still being talked about to this day. I mean, to to go off subject when it comes to <laughs> wrestling, Bobby Heenan would call the 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 fans humanoids. Um, System of a Down is my all time favorite band. They just released two songs this past November. One of them was called Genocidal Humanoids. When they asked them why they wrote it, why it was called Humanoids, well, because of Bobby the Brain Heenan, the greatest manager ever. Nice. Uh, that, that's what they said. I mean, we're talking about 2020 now, and they came out with the song because of a war Bobby Heenan would always say. So, I mean, that's still how prominent he is. And here we are doing a podcast about him in 2021, and he's the best thing that ever happened when it comes to managers, in our opinion. So, I love Bobby Heenan, always will. When you think of a manager, a professional wrestling manager, the first person I always think of is Bobby the Brain Heenan. Absolute drop right. in the bucket. With How about this. you, Adam? What are your it, thoughts it was on Bobby much harder, Bryan? obviously, to figure out who who came after him. Um, the, just adding to what everybody said, one of my uh, memories of him too uh, was just you know he started as a wrestler, and I think he was moderately successful as a wrestler. But again, he had the gift of gab, um, and and kind of mentioned the history, the AWA managing Bachwinkle with the Blackjacks, Ken Patera. Um, you know, just successful right off the bat as a manager and a mouthpiece, but uh, but also, I mean, the guy could take a bump like nobody's business too. Uh, the, again, adding that extra element to the show, 
Yeah. Um, he comes to the WWF, and and in the time when the era he was there, I mean, most uh, if you look back at the history, there weren't many heel champions. It was it was Hogan most of the time. It was Warrior and Savage too, but in between all that, squeezed in all that, uh, Heenan led talent to gold. I mean, and Andre, of course, had the belt for a very short time, but he still won it. The great IC champs and and Mr. Perfect and Rude, two of the best ever. You know the Brainbusters were tag champs. Colossal Connection mentioned Harley Race, uh, won the King of the Ring. Then his last assignment uh, managerially was Ric Flair, and uh, I guess the story goes uh, after being out on the road for with Flair for a month, he went to Vince McMahon and said. Uh, you put me with Larry Flint, I can't do this anymore. So as Tony mentioned, <laughs> uh, he turned to broadcasting. But you know, I just remember, you know, he wrestled Ultimate Warrior in 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 a weasel suit, and uh, uh, you know, the Warrior threw him around like a rag doll and was very stiff with them, which of course pissed him off. But don't blame him. Uh, but I mean, he did it all to to entertain the fans. He was, he was, he knew his job was to just add more fun, more entertainment, uh, give folks the best show that they possibly could. And then when the days of him managing and taking bumps were over, uh, he moved to the booth and, and he just, he kept cracking people up and just, uh, he was the, there's a famous sign, nothing but a good time. And anytime Bobby Heenan was involved, it was nothing but a good time for wrestling fans. Uh, very few people brought me as much joy as a wrestling fan as watching Bobby Heenan manage or listening to him broadcast or just do his thing. I mean, he was tailor-made for the business, and he is uh, – I didn't ask anybody, and they'll tell you he's one of the biggest legends and it's made uh, – not to sound like Tony Schiavone, WCW era, but uh, he has made such an impact on our sport. It's It's undeniable. Yeah, most definitely. So, yeah, from all three of us, Bobby Heenan, best manager of all time, without a doubt. All right. Well, that's our that's our list, guys. Yeah, um, hope you guys like the it. new format. I, I think we had some fun with it. Well, uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's see how we do this going forward. Um, yeah. So, like every week, let's give a let's give a match of the week before. Uh, before we get going, this is a match that all three of us will recommend to you to watch in the meantime, in between time, before our next episode. Um, I'll go first. Um, this is we're talking about Bobby Heenan. I would say go out and it's probably on YouTube or somewhere on the WWE Network. Adam just talked about it. Go find one of those weasel match, weasel suit matches he did with the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, Ultimate Warrior was stiff with them, pissed them off. But look beyond that and just look at the, the bumping work and just the great in-ring character work that Bobby Heenan did in those matches, <laughs> especially after he goes unconscious and he wakes up in the weasel suit and, you know, everything he does after that, it's comedic genius. And you get the essence of Bobby Heenan as a performer in those matches. So, yeah, that's that's my pick. How about you, Bob? What's your ma- What's your match of the week? I too go with Heenan and I, I take uh, WrestleMania three Hogan Andre. Um, the reason I do that is because it was it was Heenan that caused Andre to turn. 
And, um, you know, he was the face of Andre. He was the one that you see in that little blue cart that's driving him down to the ring when they were coming down at WrestleMania. And, you know, um, again, Andre was never a big talker, but Heenan was that perfect selling point and probably one of the main reasons why people bought Silverdome to sell out, you know, the, uh, what was it, Silverdome, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, because of him. So WrestleMania three, uh, Hogan, Andre, with Bobby Heenan as a manager. That'll com- I'll complete awesome. the trifecta here. All right, Adam, how about the, you? What's your match of the week? Match two, uh, Rick Rude versus the Ultimate Warrior, WrestleMania five for the Intercontinental title. Um, the the Ultimate yeah. Warrior faces his biggest challenge to that point in his WWF career. I won't uh, spoil it for those of you who haven't seen it, but Bobby Heenan is a big part of that match and, and just the, the further evidence as to why he's number one on everybody's list. I was just thinking, too, of of another thing uh, where I think primetime wrestling was like the greatest comedy show ever with him and monsoon. And I remember some bit where they went to like an old West town or something. And this is how funny the man was. They're just sitting there uh, minding their own business and a horse walks by and Heenan just jumps like three feet back and goes, what the hell is that? And then monsoon just goes a horse relax. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> uh, those two are making everybody laugh upstairs right now, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah, good picks, guys. And good. those are three good choices for the listeners at home to check out before next week's show. So, yeah. Thanks, everybody else, for uh, – or thanks, everybody, for uh, – for listening this week. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We had a great time giving it to you. Um, and yeah, come back to us next week. As always, we want to hear from you guys as well. Send us some questions, send us some suggestions to our email address. It is enhancement talent 316 at gmail.com. Again, that's enhancement talent 316 at gmail.com. You know, toss us a line, man. We'll we'll read your question on air, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the answer. Okay, well that's the show. I want to thank uh, my co-host here tonight. I want to thank uh, the Warsaw Blonde himself, Adam Kulavik, and I also want to thank the other half of the Fabulous Lopez cousins, Doctor Bob Lopez. I'm Tony Lopez, and we will see you guys again for another episode of the Enhancement Talent next week. Hope you guys have a good, safe week. We'll see you next week.